John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31 through 36. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So therefore right there, it tells us very plainly who is he talking to. He is talking to the ones that believe on him. If, there's a key word, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? Ye shall be made free. Jesus answered them, Very verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. This morning I want to preach just for a few moments on this topic and this title, I am free indeed. And I promise you I did not realize that this was your Sunday morning message. Uh, Brother Dave was tired. I asked Brother David earlier, I said, y'all have good Sunday school? He said, yeah, we talked on bondage. I said, Really? I said, that's kind of a uh, little, I said, that's what I'm preaching on this morning. He said, well, you're right in line. I got them fired up for you. I said, great. Uh, so this morning I want to preach on I am free indeed. So through our 2020 vision, we started preaching on the first week of how God wants us, first and foremost, more importantly than anything there is, that we start on the right foot. We start out in the right relationship with Christ. That because if we don't start out in the right relationship, then all these other things cannot benefit us. God cannot bless us. God cannot walk in us and through us and work through us if we are not in a relationship with him. And then the second week we talked about how God wants us to be healed. How God wants us to walk in completeness. And God wants us to walk in wholeness in this new year. And so now on the third Sunday of our vision month, I believe God wants us to walk into the new year, into 2020, set free and completely uh, free from anything, any bondage, any change or anything that may be holding us down and keeping us from serving him. Because I want to tell you this morning that in 2020, God can still break chains. God can still take us and, and set the captive free. God can still uh, uh, free us from anything that is holding us back or bowing us down or, or keeping us from uh, reaching the full potential that we have in Christ and the purpose that he has for our life. Jesus Christ still has all authority, and Jesus Christ still has all power. And he did in 2019, and he does even in 2020. God still is on the throne. He is still seated at the right hand of the Father and still has all power and all authority. Amen. So in this message this morning, I want to talk about three things and when we go through bondage. And then at the conclusion of this message, I want to reveal to you four things that can help you get out of bondage, that can uh, free you from bondage. And so when we talk about bondage, I want, before I get into any further into this message, I want to explain something to you that all bondages that we go through, no matter if it's being us bound down or keeping us from reaching the potential, I want to uh, share with you that all bondages is not from Satan. 
All bondages that we go through do not all come from the enemy. And you may be thinking, well, if it's not of God, then it must be of, of the enemy. Well, in a sense, you are true. But sometimes, if we are not careful, we give credit to the enemy that the enemy had nothing to do with. And how you say that is because you and I are still in the flesh. A lot of things we do in the flesh, we cause and bring upon ourselves. And then we say, well, the devil did it. Well, it must be a trap or it must be uh, something the devil's trying to throw at me. No, no. It's because you are in the flesh and your flesh is not subject to the spirit. And so a lot of times we do things in our own flesh through our own works, and yet we won't give the devil credit for it. When, and, and, and the whole time the, the enemy is laughing at us and saying, uh-huh, uh, you gave me credit for something I didn't do, but hey, go right ahead. And so but there's one thing we got to understand. There, there's several different types of bondages. There is a emotional bondage. There is physical bondage. There is mental bondage. There is spiritual bondage. There's not just one type of bondage. And so when we have emotional bondages where it may be a, a relationship that you were in and it may have been a, a, a drug-related um, uh, relationship, it might have been a, an abusive relationship, whatever the case may be, and then that relationship has left scars on your heart and scars upon you that keep you and hold you back when you go in to meet someone fresh and someone new, you have trust issues. You can't fully open up to them because you have a, an emotional bondage from the previous um, relationship you were in. We may have physical bondages where it may seem that we are afflicted in our bodies and that affliction in our bodies keeps us down and, and keeps us back from doing the things that God has called us to do. It may be mentally. It may be the battles that you uh, face in your own mind and the anxiety and, and the things that go through your mind that keep you from uh, the potential God has for you. It may be what a lot of us in America are facing right now. It's a means problem number one bondage and that's financial bondage. How we in America are the most in debt country that in all of, uh, uh, in all of other countries we are in most debt, and yet we are the most depressed people because we are in bondage to the debtor. And Scripture tells us, "Don't be in bondage to the debtor." And yet we live in a "I gotta have it now, swap the car, worry about it later." And then when the bill comes, we get depressed. I don't want to pay it. Well, you shouldn't charged it. And so therefore, we go through this bondage of owing money. But God does not want that in our lives. He wants us to live joyfully and happily and, and debt-free and, and, and have the joy and peace. He does not want us to be bound down. One of the things I will say this, that I believe is a big bondage and is a big setback in our lives, and that's social media. And you may think, well, how is that a bondage? How is that? And I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against social media. Social media is a great tool to have. Like our, our, our church has a social media page on Facebook. It is a great tool for us to get our, our church outside the walls to share with people what we're doing and the activities we're doing. It's a great tool. But when you find yourself uh, several times throughout the day, you're checking your statuses and you're, you're posting things. But at the end of the day, you say, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to pray. I'm just so busy. I'm just, i got so much going on. But really, it's our priorities. We are allowing social media to take control over our life. God forbid if you ever leave your phone at home. You are, you are just not, you're disconnected throughout the whole day because you don't have your phone in your hand. That's what it's come down to. And so I'll even say this. I'm going to use my mother-in-law for example. She's like, oh, God. 
I remember back when my wife and I went from the dummy phones to the smartphones. And we thought we were the hippest thing around. We thought we had it. We were like, man, we got a smartphone. And then later we were introduced to Facebook. And so we go to visit my mother-in-law's house and we would sit there on our phones and, and they'll have to, I remember one time she took her house phone and called my cell phone to try to get my attention to have a conversation. She said, I wish y'all put them things up. I wish y'all quit bringing things up here. Because it had a, a control. It was a control. It had us bound down to where we were so glued to it. We were so focused on it. And now my mother-in-law has upgraded from a dummy phone to a smartphone. And now she has a Facebook. <laughs> the one that said, I won't have a Facebook. I don't want that mess. She has one. And now believe it out of her own mouth, she came to us and said, now I see why y'all stay on them phones so much. It is addicting. And if we're not careful, it will control us. And how, how many times has social media left you depressed and upset and mad and angry? And if, it, it's, if it's a Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, and, and then you walk through Walmart. God forbid if you see any of your friends on Facebook at Walmart. And then you walk by and you see them and, and they'll walk right past you and not even say, not act like they don't even know you. And the whole time you say, she's following me on Facebook, didn't even speak to me in the Walmart. Oh, God help us. And then, and then, how many times have you heard this? Can you believe what Brother Bob put on Facebook? Oh, my goodness. Did you see what Sister Susie commented? Oh, man. And then you go all day just so upset because they, they post things and upset you. It can have a hold on you. And the reason I say social media, again, if you have a social media account, you are not going to hell. That's not what I'm trying to say. You are not committing sin. But what I'm trying to say is be very careful and don't allow that to be a stronghold. Don't allow that to be a bondage in your life to where it keeps you from doing the things that God has called you to do. And a lot of times we use social media as a pastime to pass by the time. If we're waiting in the doctor's office, what do we do? We sit down, pull our phones out, go to Facebook. If we're waiting to get our oil changed, we sit down. We pull our phones out. Where do we go? We go to Facebook. And if we're on our lunch break at work, what do we do? In the break room, we sit down. We pull out our Facebook. If we take and just transition that and actually pull a Bible app up and take just a few moments and read a chapter or two, if you do that two or three times a day, you'll have several chapters read and technically you will spend hours with God versus following people that you don't even like and people following you that you can't stand. Amen, amen, or on me. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get off social media kick. So what is a bondage? The definition of a bondage is the state of being bound by or subjected to some external power or control. Ask yourself this morning, what is holding my life back? What am I facing this morning? What am I fighting? Where is my weakness? If normally you find your weakness, you find your stronghold. You, found, you, you have found your bondage. Number one, it's possible, it is possible for a believer to live in bondage. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. It is possible for a believer of Jesus Christ to live in a life of bondage. So through different situations and different lives that, and, and things that we may face, 
If we're not careful, yes, we love the Lord. We serve God. But yet we do fall in traps time and time again. Or we may lose sight of who we are. We may uh, not find out what we're called to do anymore. And then next thing you know, we're in this trap or we're in this season. And then we find ourselves bound by the things that we have fallen into. It doesn't necessarily mean you have sinned. It does not necessarily mean you have fallen by the wayside. It just means you have simply uh, fallen into a bondage. Believers can be in bondage because that is the uh, number one uh, motive for the enemy in the believer's life is to bound them up, bind them with strongholds and chains so that they cannot pursue God. And Jeremiah, I love this verse, Jeremiah 7, 8 through 11 Listen to these words. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house. Talking about this house. And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered. To do all these abominations in this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. What is he saying right there? So in, there are limestone caves that these people would retreat to and that's where their place of safety. That was their place of comfort to get away from everybody. That's where they would run to. And in and, and this day and time, it's in Palestine. And so what is the scripture saying? Is what it's saying is the ones that do these things, the ones that are bound by chains, and the ones that have uh, these bondages in them, like it said, you trust in lying words, you steal, you murder, and you commit adultery, and you swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal. But watch this, and come and stand in the house. You come and stand in the house and have the audacity to say, We are delivered. We're delivered. It's saying that when they come into the house, the ones that are in bondage and doing the abominations of God, what it's saying is just because you come into my house, just because you come in with bondage and say, hey, I'm delivered because I came to church, does not mean you're delivered. You can still come into church and you can still leave in bondage. What they were doing, they were coming into the house of the Lord and saying, we're delivered. And God is saying, no, you're not. I see the works. I see what you have done. I've seen what you've been up to. And a lot of times uh, people that are in bondage use church to justify what they're doing than wrong. They're using church to justify their bondage and the things that are holding them back. It's one thing to come in church, but it's another for God and the Spirit to come through you and to set you free. Just because you come in church doesn't mean, not, it doesn't mean that you are set free. Just like a car in your garage does not make it a, a, an automotive shop. There has to be some transition. There has to be the hand of God and the Spirit moving through you. And, and, and the acceptance of God uh, removing those things. Romans 6, 15 through 16. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. 
Know ye not, watch this, very careful, I'm going to read this part very, very slowly. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself, to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto unrighteousness. What is it saying there? It is simply saying, whoever you yield yourself to is who you are bound to. Think about that. Whoever or whatever you yield yourself to is what you are bound to. Is what is holding bondage to your life. I want you to inventory your heart and your spirit this morning. What am I bound to? What am I yielding to? A lot of times when we go through storms and hells on earth, we can simply find out very quickly what we yield to. When our spirits begin to be shaken and it seems like our hearts are, are being ripped out and we can't make it, what do you yield to in those times? In those times when you yield to that, that is what has, has the biggest hold on your life. What are you yielding to? Number two, it's difficult to admit you're in bondage. Not only can a, it's possible for a believer to be in bondage, but number two, it is difficult to admit you're in bondage. Why is it uh, difficult to admit you're in bondage? Because the things that we have done, the things that we have been through, the things that hold us down, we're too prideful to admit it because we don't want people to think of us any less. We don't want people to see us any different. We don't want our, our, character, our character to be thrown out the door because we have made mistakes. But I want to encourage you that just because you have went through a time and you went through a situation and you've got some strongholds, you've got some bondages in your life, don't think that you are by yourself. You are not alone. That this, this place here is full of people that are imperfect. We are all striving and we are all seeking the same thing and that's to glorify Jesus and to get to His kingdom and to get other people into the kingdom of God. We are all imperfect. At one time, we had to admit what we had done. That's what we all have done at one time. We had to admit we were what? Sinners. We had to admit we are in need of a Savior before we ever come before Christ. We had to admit God, I'm on a stronghold. I, I've got bondages in my life. I've got chains wrapped all around me. God, I need you to come in and save me from the pits of hell. I need you to come into my life and I receive you because I am in need of a Savior. We have all been down that road. Each and every one of you here, all respectively, and I mean this all humbly with love, we were all here going to bust hell wide open one day if we did not have that encounter with Jesus. So when we are in bondage, whatever bondage you may be facing, whatever is in your life that is keeping you from serving God, don't be ashamed to admit what you have done because Scripture teaches us that we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to confess our faults one to another. We are to be strong for each other. And when we find someone that is in a stronghold or, or has bondages, we are to help break those chains. Help lift them up in prayer. Help them get on the right track to getting freedom and getting the victory over this thing. It is hard for us to admit when we're in bondage. John 8, 33. It's probably the most funniest comical scripture in all throughout the Bible. Probably the funniest. 
Watch this. John 8, 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Can you believe they just said that? And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Who are they talking about? They're talking about the Israelites. And if you remember back in, in, in Exodus, the Israelites were what? They were in bondage for 400 years to the Egyptians. And here in John 8.33, now they're going to say, hey, what do you mean we shall be free? We've been, we've been bound by no man. What are you talking about? They, they even celebrated Passover. Every single year, the Israelites would celebrate Passover. Why? Because that was them celebrating the what? The victory over the Egyptians, over their bondage. But here they're saying, we have not been in bondage to any man. What do you mean? They didn't want to admit where they come from. I want to tell you this one thing. God has brought you so far, even up to this point, and, got, and has uh, more places to go and has further to take you. But I want you to say, I want you to know this. Do not forget where God has brought you from. Amen. Don't ask, I'm not saying for us to go back. I'm not saying for us to look back. But always keep in the back of your mind and inside your heart where God has brought me from. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm not where I need to be yet. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. Yeah. Don't be like the ones that say, we don't, we've never been in bondage. Be always be the ones that stand up and say, I remember back when God delivered me from this. Oh, but I remember the time that I seemed like I couldn't make it because of all the chains and bondage that was in my life. I didn't know how I was going to face tomorrow, but the love of Jesus Christ came into my heart and came into my life, and He set me free from all the bondage of chains that, that Satan had bound on me. Oh, I will never forget the great things that God has brought me from. All right, so I'm trying to wrap this thing up. Number three. It's easy to be set free from bondage. Now, hold on. You just said it was, it was difficult. No, I said it was difficult to admit. But it's easy to be set free from bondage. But mere passive scripture, Mark 9, 17 through 23. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which have a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pinneth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there when Jesus spoke them words because Jesus was standing there before the man and his son and his son was uh, possessed with a dumb spirit and I wish I could have seen him turn to his disciples and he's probably uh, looking at the disciples saying, what, what is this, guys? Come on now. What do you mean you couldn't cast that spirit out? Have I not gave you the power? Have I not gave you the authority? All you had to do was just speak my name and, and the Spirit would have had no control but to come out. What do you mean? You, I've, shown you done, I've shown you this. I have taught you this. And I, you have even watched me do this and perform this. Watch this. And they brought, him, um, they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the Spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and walked 
foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since the since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So he is this 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 boy is possessed with this spirit, uh, this dumb spirit, and he's done fell on the ground, and he is flopping like a fish out of water. And the whole time, Jesus is staring and is like, like it, it's no really big concern to him. Why? Because he already knows he has all the power. All he's got to do is walk over and say, come out, and it's gone. And then he's disappointed with the disciples because they couldn't do it. When he has taught them, they have walked with him. But I want you to notice something very, very powerful in verses 22 and 23. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But watch this. This is the man talking to Jesus. But if... I'm going to stop right there. How many times have you and I prayed that prayer? But if... But if. God, I need you to move in this situation, but if. God, I need you to move here. I need you to heal this person, and I need you to deliver this person. But if. This is the guy talking to Jesus. He says, but if thou can cast and do anything. And Jesus probably looked at him and said, what do you mean, if? Who do you think you're talking to? Do I not hold the universe in my hands? Do I not use the earth as my footstool? Do I not have all power of, over all manners of sickness and diseases? Do I not have power over death, hell, and the grave? Did I not go to hell and take the keys from the from pits of hell? Who do you think I am? What do you mean, if I can? But watch in 23. Then Jesus said unto him, If thou, it ain't no if I, it's if you, Kids believe all things are possible to him that believe. Not only is it hard for us to admit that there is a bondage and a stronghold, but number two, we have to believe that Jesus can and know that he can. It's not if Jesus can, it's, it's when Jesus will do it. It's not if. So when we pray, not don't use the if you. Or if you will do this, or if, there's no if in Jesus Christ, there's no if in God. It's when and, 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 and how. Mark 5, 1 through 6. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus afar off, what did he do? He ran and worshipped him. I think you could say you're having a lot better day than this man did. This man was found in the months of the graves. He was found in the months of the dead. And they, he would cry out. And I know a lot of times throughout certain stories of the scripture, it's hard for us to see certain things. But they would bound him in chains. He would just break them. Because he was so demonically possessed and had that much demonic powers, he could break the chains. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped Jesus. 
What are you trying to tell me? What is this passage of Scripture trying to tell me? It is simply this. It, it doesn't matter how many uh, demonic spirits there may be. It doesn't matter how many legions of devils that may be fighting you. That nothing in this world, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It, nothing in this world can separate. The, and, it, and He came and ran and worshipped Him. That nothing that can hold us back. If you have a bondage, if you are bound in chains, there is nothing that is going to keep you you from coming and getting your deliverance. There's nothing that's going to keep you from getting set free. The powers of the demonic spirits didn't have enough power to keep him from running to Jesus. What is holding you back this morning? Ask yourself that. And as I close, four steps of breaking from bondage. Number one, remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Don't forget who you are. A lot of times we found ourselves bound up and in bondage because we have lost. We have forgotten who we are. We've all been there at one point in time. You cannot tell me you are here and you have not once in your life forgotten who you are and forgotten who has God called you to be. When normally when we forget who we are, we lose our spiritual identity, we find ourselves being bound and in bondage. Number two, rely on God's strength and not your own. When we know it's God, and God and Him alone can set me free, it's not by my works, nor by my strength, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. It's, it is His Spirit that can break all bondages. It's not We can't do it on our own. We can come to Jesus. And when we get to Jesus, it's by His Spirit I am made complete. It's by His Spirit I am made whole. We can't deliver ourselves. Is by His Spirit. Number three, fight the lies by focusing on God's life-changing truth. Satan will lie to you. Satan will tell you everything that you don't want to hear. Satan will tell you everything to make you stay down. And he will fill your heart, fill your spirit, fill your minds with so many lies. And you know when Satan lies to you, you can feel it, you can, feel it, you can hear it. But when the lies start coming, replace those with the word of truth. And stand upon the word of God. Because as long as we allow, allow the lies to hit our lives, we will stay in bondage. And, and fourthly and lastly, be willing to be set free, healed, and made whole. Until you yourself desires to be set free from bondages, it will never happen. Yes, God has all power. God has all authority. But watch this, God also creates us with choice. Does not Scripture say, choose you this day whom you will serve? There's no word in Scripture that says we are forced and made to worship Him. We are by choice. Choose you this day. If you want to serve Jesus Christ or if you want to serve Satan himself, it is your choice. But the end result is because of what you choose. Until you make the choice, I am sick and tired of coming into church with all this bondage on my life. I'm sick and tired of going through my day to day with all these chains. I'm sick and tired of waking up with all this bondage. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of, of not being able to uh, motivate or be able to walk in my own life without all these chains. I am sick. I'm today. I have made a choice that I will be set free until you you yourself, nobody can do it for you until you say, I am ready to get this bondage off of my life. Then you allow God to come in and change your life. 
If you, were, if you came in this morning and something is holding you back and something's keeping you from pursuing God, ask yourself. And as I close, and as we all stand, as my wife comes and prepares to minister to you in song, don't leave here still wrapped up in the same chains you came into. You don't have to leave bound up. You don't have to leave in bondage. Don't leave the same way you came. I know Jesus Christ in 2020 still has all power and all authority over every bondage. If you have a need this morning, or if you want to come and just worship the Lord and run the altars, as my wife sings, the altars are open. So as my wife sings, if you have need, please come.